Hello and welcome to BakaCast, episode number, I'll insert it somewhere here, uh, because, uh, I, so here's the thing, hi, I'm your host Dustin, and with me today is a now working hard drive, uh, you'll notice that this episode skips ahead a, a, a few, uh, weeks in anime, uh, because between the last episode that I that will have come out before this one, and this episode, um, we did record some stuff, but the hard drive that those audio files were on failed. Died. And yeah, it it died. And while I could recover Larry's and Ben's because I could just re-download them, I could not so easily recover my own. Uh, and I decided I just don't care enough to re-record all those episodes because that uh, that that would be torture. And I do this for free. Technically, not even for free. I pay money to do this. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, some of us do. So y'all can deal with it. Uh, yeah, that's story of my life. Uh, with me today is Larry. Uh, yes, I most certainly am. And also Ben. Yo. Uh, so we're just gonna, actually, we're not gonna just jump right into it, because first I need to say that you can find show notes at audioentropy.com and projectharahi.net, and now I'll jump into it, uh, starting with Dr. Stone, episodes 18 through 20, uh, where, hey, let's make a cell phone, I guess. Well, basically a radio is more like it, but he calls it a cell phone, even though it's basically just a radio. Which is yeah, what a cell phone is. Cell towers and or satellites for that, and they're definitely not making those yet. So yeah, he's mo- more mo- more like making some fancy walkie-talkies. But first, in order to do that, you need to make something that can create the gold wire that you'll be using to make uh, circuits and all those fun things. Um, and uh, to do that he made a cotton candy machine. Well, that, that makes sense, because that, that's how you spin that wire anyway. Yeah. So, but, it, it, yeah. In, in, in the weird, like, uh, civilization recreation project, well, I shouldn't say civilization, because that uh, inherently ties civilization to uh, technological progress, which is a problematic road to go down. But uh, in pursuit of technological, in the weird sort of, tech tree that is dr stone yes it does make sense uh, i like how the funniest thing to me about these this series of episodes was how the animators decided to make cotton candy look when they're not animating when they're not making it super detailed it's just like this smudge on the screen uh, okay it's very funny because they were clearly like we're not really sure how to draw cotton candy that doesn't either look like a solid object or just like a weird 
like scribble so we'll just like go halfway and make it look like this weird smudgy thing on your screen <laughs> uh i'm not really i'm not really complaining it's just it's just there are some things that are hard to draw really uh, especially things that are wispy. Um, also, everybody loves cotton candy because it's like the first sugary thing that this that these people have consumed in forever. And it's implied that cotton candy is how they're going to get one of the, like, uh, Homura, I think her name is. Like the the lady with the pink hair, who's part of um, uh, who's part of Sukasa's kingdom. Benjamin, that's your line. Yeah, yeah, but except it it, it doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> and uh, Gen, in fact, predicted it wouldn't work like that. <sighs> so there is that. Yeah. Um. I was hoping I'd get like some of uh, 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 I I can no longer remember their names like the characters we started this thing with uh, Taiju and uh, Yuzuriha. I was hoping we'd actually start to see more of them, but I, we're getting more of the more Senku stuff, I guess. Still, um, uh, I do I did really like the scene where. Uh, in order to make the cotton candy spinner, um, well, in order to make it better, Senku's like, okay, I need to make a, I need to make a gear shaft, which I'm honestly surprised hadn't come up earlier. <laughs> uh, especially back when he made like a water wheel. Um, but he's like, okay, I need, I need a gear. I need, I need a gear to lock into this other gear I made. He's like, all right, this, uh, this shield will work. Uh, and it's the shield that the village chief gave, um, uh, well, not that he's not the village chief anymore, uh, <clears throat> but it's the, it's the thing he gave to Kohaku. Kohaku when he won, like, the, this first tournament or whatever. Um, and Kohaku's like, no, nah, I don't have any sentimental value to this. It's fine. We can make it. <laughs> We we can we can destroy this thing to make it a gear, and he's very and he's very upset about it because Kohaku is too utilitarian, and I did really like that. Uh, Kohaku is very frequently frequently my favorite character on this show. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm still enjoying Dr. Stone. I don't have a lot of stuff to say about these episodes just because it's it's just it was just a lot more just focused on the tech tree aspect. Well, um there were there was a well okay, you did skip over some important stuff. There was a battle <laughs> which uh because uh what happened was is that uh Tsukasa sent over like uh his uh Basically, his uh, his his uh, Homura plus uh, oh yeah, Hyoga, that's true. There there was a battle, yeah. Plus uh, Hyoga and uh, basically a couple of a bunch of thugs, and you know they they sent them they sent them as well uh, essentially a reconnaissance in force. 
uh, to the uh, to the village, and like, and so like, yeah. So Seiku basically uses a bluff, like he uses a bluff to delay to delay the uh, the first attack for three days by making him think that they hit, making them think that he has guns, so that they wait till uh, they wait till there's a storm out, so that. You know, they can't, they supposedly can't use their guns, except they didn't actually have guns. Um, and, and so then on their next attack, uh, he uses that time to make katanas. Which, yeah, oh yeah, that's right, I forgot that he made katanas. (laughs) Superior Japanese steel. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, actually, there was a funny bit with that when he was talking to, when he was talking to, like, uh, Chrome and the, uh, and the craftsman dude. Uh, that craftsman... Oh, yeah, where he's like, normally you'd fold, normally you'd, uh, uh, you know, fold and reheat the steel more times than this, but, uh, it's kind of pointless (laughs) for our purposes. It's pretty much done after the first few times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah... It's, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like, do this ten times, it's like, and then they're like, what the hell? And then he's like, nah, you don't actually need to do it more than twice, because, like, the steel you get from folding it twice is gonna be plenty good enough. Uh, and, yeah, and, yes, there was that. And by the way, that craftsman dude, (laughs) I love that dude. He's Oh yeah, he's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, he's like one of the best side characters in the entire show. He's he's delightful. Um, um <clears throat> right. So these katanas and and what what was great was uh, you know it turns out Hyoga is uh, an expert in spear fighting, and he uses uh, he gives uh, he gives Gen this uh, this this like little dagger. Uh, which Gen uses, uh, which Gen uses to sabotage Hyoga's spear. Uh, and, oh yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. And Gen was like, oh, cr- wild that that happened. And Hyoga <laughs> was like, yeah, I'd, look, I know, I know the score. <laughs> you aren't fooling me. Yeah. It, right. I, I especially love that, like, you know, he's, He's like uh, showing up. He's like, uh, yes, I use a, uh, let's see, nightshade. <laughs> I use, you know, nightshade in all my shows. In the language of flowers, it means liar. Oh yeah, that episode eighteen was also when those like, uh, when like the some of like the minor goons got straight up murdered by the sulfuric uh, acid, right? Right. The, well, because the gas, yeah, because Suica. <laughs> Suica basically drew them off because they were like, "Oh, okay, let's take one of the let's take one of the like kids hostage, and that way we can, uh, yeah, that way we can have the advantage." And so Suica, who uh, Su- so Suica basically, you know, uses her knowledge of the terrain to, uh, you know, she uh, give you know she gets them to lures them she lures them out to pursue them. 
and leads them <laughs> over to the uh, over to the hot springs with the sulfuric acid lake. And and so Hyoga and uh, Hyoga and Homura are able to get to uh, are able to get to like high ground, you know, basically hiding up in a tree to avoid the uh, to avoid the acid fumes. But uh, <laughs> but and then but then Hyoga actually pushes the dude pushes the uh, pushes the dude out of the tree in order to test. Whether the uh, whether the acid is uh, there or whether the acid is still there, and it oh, turns yeah. out it is, and they it totally is yes, <laughs> and then they die. Um, which okay, yeah, those no guys one will miss them. Oh, those guys. Well, they were kind of dicks, so um, <laughs> they they will not be missed. They by... were tr- they were trying to help set a village on fire, so you know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you remind me about episode 18 because yeah, uh, I totally forgot that all that happened there. And then after that, then they start the cell phone tech tree sequence. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, Doctor Stone, still still fun. Um. Yep. Thoroughly, I'm, I am loving this series. I'm giving them these episodes fives. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can't really think of any issues with them. Um, let's move on next to uh, Beastars, episodes four through six. Uh, a show <laughs> I am becoming more and more unsure of as each episode comes out. Uh, really? Yeah, um... So, like, the, the thing about Beastars that feels weird to me is that it seems to, like, really want to hammer on this idea that carnivores are, like, inherently dangerous and prone to killing their friends and the people that they hang out with if they're prey animals. And, like, while that makes sense in a in reality where you know carnivores do kill prey animals uh the situation that has been set up by bee stars is not exactly realistic like these animals have uh sapience like they 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 have the ability to self-interrogate and self-reflect uh and think in ways that animals normally cannot and like build themselves into a society that pretty much replicates you know human society in a way that you know regular animals could never do yeah uh and and so like and yet they yet the one thing they don't do is what the one thing they keep is the idea that oh carnivores have to eat meat and if and they are basically ticking time bombs, you know, toward other prey animals. Uh, and this is reinforced by episode six, I believe, where uh, he encounters the um, the panda, 
who tells him like, oh, that that attraction you're feeling to this bunny is actually just a uh, perverted like hunter instinct. Like your your logic is just uh, <coughs> concealing it. Yeah. Um. Well, and I, I'm I'm just. And, like, it, it's easy enough to say, oh, the panda is just wrong. But also, actual plot events in the show, like, do seem to back up what the panda is saying. It's like, oh, yeah, no, you can't escape your nature. You are inherently going to be uh, wanting to kill this rabbit for your entire life. Well... I'm just not entirely sure where they're going with that direction and what they're trying to say with it. Because I can't think of anything good. <clears throat> well, except except when it comes down to it, um, the panda is not completely wrong, but he's not completely right either. Because I think what's going on here is is the tension between, you know, the, like, okay, the hunter instincts of these carnivore of these carnivores, and the, essentially, the, the internalized social norms uh, that prevent them from acting on their instincts, at least most of the time. And... And but because there's also this there's also this sequence when I think it's in uh, yeah because there yeah actually have you gotten to that far because uh, there's this are sequ- you referring to the point at like after he he after the panda lets uh, him go and he meets um, Alba uh, whoever the hawk is yeah that's Alba. Yeah, and Alba's like, "Oh yeah, I I I ran away as well because I decided I didn't want to go down that road of like, you know, buying a man's fingers to eat off." Uh, right. Uh, let's see. I think in the next episode. Well, in the next episode, there's this uh, this bit where um, these uh. <clears throat> these people are bullying this other, this, uh, female, uh, this female wolf. Oh, yeah, that was the episode before, actually. Episode five, I think it no. was. No. No, it's afterwards. Am I because... getting all my episodes out of order? Yes, you are. Because, okay. see, we had, we had the finish of the, uh, concert, and then after the concert, or the show finished, then all this started. Um, okay. Well, Wait, no, I am getting my order right. He meets, he meets the, he meets the wolf, he, he meets Lupe first, and then in the second half of the episode, he meets the panda. I was wrong that it was an earlier episode. Okay, all right. I was thinking same episode. Okay, all right. I'm thinking of a uh, okay. I'm thinking of a later episode which you haven't gotten to yet. Which, um, but yeah, I. What's fascinating to me about like when he meets Lupe is that he pretty much immediately hits it off with her. Um. And we even find out that like she's going to be in the drama club. Oh right, uh, okay. And he feel and he and he like actually talks pretty relaxed around her. 
Oh, well, he cl he claimed her to be his sister, so that. that oh right. Well, that, that was a lie, though. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but it there there was still you know she she yeah kind of owed on him, so it's like you know okay yeah, she kind of well, sort of understood. Well, she, but, and that was she was just playing along with his cover. Yeah, that part was backing up the lie. Okay. Like, all right now now all right the 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 one you refer to as Lupe, her name is Juno. Juno? Oh, yeah. God, I totally got it wrong. Yeah, yeah that, that's what that, had me you, confused. You had me confused there. Thank you. Yeah, no, I just, that's just me screwing up names uh, again. Okay, well, right. Hey, it's it's Saturday, or no, it's not even, forget it. I'm not talking for a while. <laughs> All, All right, right brain, I love brain dead. Now, I want to say one thing. This this uh, carnivores will be carnivores bit, you know, with, with everybody clawing and gouging and, and snapping and snarling at each other. That's fine, but it, like Dusty was saying, this is supposed to be some sort of organized society, maybe. Yeah, and like, <coughs> sort of. Yeah, like, yeah, and I like there, like there are metaphors and analogies being done here. Like that's the whole purpose why you make, you know, why you make a setting like this is that you are trying to say something about our own society through the lens of these animals. And that's sort of, like, why some of this, like, uh, in, like, inherent behavior, uh, stuff is rubbing me the wrong way, because I'm not entirely sure what Beastars is trying to do with it yeah, yet. Yeah, I thought um, we were going to have more interaction to, on the societal level, I didn't think it was going to come homicidal level. Well, I, I thought I thought we were watching B stars and not psychopaths. What I got out of that whole bit is that, like the uh, sort of the treatment of carnivores, it remind it. I what I think they're trying to get at is kind of a metaphor for racial profiling. Except that, except that in this world, there really are significant differences between carnivores and herb and herbivores. Yeah, and, and that's part of the problem with the analogy. Yeah, it's like the metaphor, the metaphor breaks. It's like the metaphor breaks down because yeah, it's like it's actually okay to profile black people because they actually will try to eat you. Huh? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. like where it stops. No, to, yeah, huh? that's the problem with analogies like this, and why some of what B Stars is doing is making me uncomfortable. You know, I think um, it would have been profiling cannibals, but that's okay too. Well, the, the point is that, like, in in this world, the main crime that happens is carnivores eating prey. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's it is a analogy for fears of crime yeah. rates and for and for violence taking right. place in your you, community. You got hunter and hunted. I I, and, I yeah I've, I've... yeah and and which group of people are profiled as the ones who commit violence in society? Black men. Um, and and these days also like uh, uh, you know Mexicans as well are often profiled in the southern states as being you know oh criminals and rapists and you know yeah, whatever okay. else yeah. our politicians decide so to. So let's, let's let's go back and talk to the bears and the bees here. But yeah, so like the there are metaphors going on here, and like I. I was more comfortable with this show when it seemed to want to, like, use the animals as analogies for different, like, 
school cliques as opposed to leaning more on a like oh this is actually a metaphor for race relations yeah, because it works way less it's it it bring, it's way more problematic when it's out as like a metaphor relate as rate for race relate i can't talk it's more problematic when it's being used for race relations than it is for like just you know not groups of people who are not identified by a protected class, let's say. Well, I, I was I was okay with the rabbit and the wolf, you know, having a, you know, saying that yeah, two completely, basically, you know, like when she was sitting there having lunch with him, going, you know, her heart was racing, telling her to run, 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 but she went ahead and stayed with it. You know, I was hoping we would get something along that line, but eh, this line, latest line, I'm not sure. Especially when the two guys take to each other on the stage. Yeah, I sort of want to transition to that. What to? I want to transition that to what Ben was starting to talk about with Juno being introduced, and like the scene that Lagoshi has with Juno, like has immediately more chemistry between them than. Lagoshi ever had with Haru um, to the point where it's like I don't I don't think I care about Lagoshi and Haru's relationship like it's not it doesn't really exist at this point like Haru isn't particularly interested in him uh, and Lagoshi like thinks Haru is cute but also is completely incapable of speaking with her or, like, really relating to her at this point. Like, the show is clearly setting up setting setting up to, like, have a love triangle between Logoshi, Haru, and Luis. But also, I don't... I don't really want it to go in that direction because, like, it hasn't made a compelling argument for why, why I should care about Logoshi and Haru as a couple. Um, well, yeah, I'm not sure, uh, yeah, I mean, like, okay, because, like, yeah, Lugosi's feelings for Haru, that's coming through, that's coming through very clear, but Haru's feelings for Lugosi, not quite the same level, because the thing about Haru is that, yeah, Haru, in her own way, is holding a lot of things in, so you can't really get a read on her. She still yeah, thinks I, she might be lunch. Yeah, on the other hand, like, we do still get to view Haru's inner thoughts, so it's not like we're just <laughs> going off of what she says to Lagoshi, And, like, she's clearly not particularly interested in him. Um, and Lagoshi isn't giving her a whole lot of reason to try and get closer even though he's having thoughts about her, which would be, if it was Juno, it would be acceptable, but with him having those thoughts about Haru, it's like, yeah, you're treading on thin ice there, Bubby. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like the, I'm still, for the most part, enjoying this show just because I do like Lagoshi a lot and I like some of the side characters. Um, but I don't. I'm. I'm, I guess, wary about the direction that it's going. Like well, it, it seems to be going. 
It seems to be taking the story in a in a, in a direction that I don't particularly care for. Yeah, well, it's like you know the deer and the antelope are supposed to play, not the deer and the rabbits. Well, <laughs> well, I like I like Haru as a character. I like Lugosi as a character, and yeah, I'm not completely sold on like you know on the you know the the well chemistry between Haru and Lugosi, but. I'm. I still like these characters enough that I'm willing to. I'm willing to roll with it at least for now. Yeah, I can roll with that. That thought. I just, you know, it's like if it gets. But, but the I don't want to say crazy outlandish, but it. There, there's a word that I've been searching for since we started talking that. It, it just it's it's becoming uncomfortable almost. Right, but the thing get yeah. the thing that got me about the the thing that got me about uh, like okay, the, the getting back to getting back to Juno, and uh, the scene where she gets bullied by uh, where she gets bullied in the halls. Yeah. Um, okay, what what got me about that was it's it was about how like okay, the rules of society are set up to are set up to uh, sort of basically protect protect people from each other and from each other's more aggressive impulses coming out. But but this shows that this shows that at least some people can abuse the rules of society to kind of you know to to basically victimize people who you know, to victimize people who w- would not ordinarily be aggressive. I mean, like, like you know, like Juno. You know, Juno wasn't going to attack anybody, and yet these people yeah. are, are these people are like sort of trying to, you know, mess around with her and provoke her into, you know, into an aggressive response. So they could tag her. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's a good point. And if they do end up, like... If they do, like, end up interrogating that more, that could actually make the comparison, the analogy, work decently. Because, like, a big thing about um, how black people are treated in society is that we put this stereotype on them that then causes them to be treated differently in society and also... That can affect, you know, their finances, what schools they're allowed to go to, what houses they're allowed to buy, that often puts them in a situation where, uh, like, it puts them in a situation where some people, some people in, some people would naturally start considering, like, okay, what can I do to get myself out of this situation and, like, commit a crime to try and make their lives better? Like, that is definitely a thing that happens among communities who are marginalized to such a degree that they are not given the same opportunities that others are. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, yes, of course the crime rate is high in this area because, like what options are you actually giving these people to leave a lead a crime-free life? So if if that's the direction that Beastars goes in and says, like, you know, yes, these crimes are happening, 
but like these like these crimes are happening because we are putting this group of people in this marginalized position where we are giving them no outs that could be that could be interesting i'm not entirely convinced that's the way they're going i do think i agree with you that there are hints of that and there are moments where like there there are definitely people trying to provoke them into doing the thing that they're not supposed to do um almost like almost like how for example a cop might start beating on someone and being like self-defense <laughs> oh, don't go there please uh, uh, no i will yeah uh, I know, but don't a cab uh yeah. uh but yeah like that that could be a that could be an interesting direction and and i would actually like be interested to see them go in that one as opposed to what it the direction it feels like they're going in to me right now well like i said you know I was hoping that this would be more on re relationships and relating than typing and, I don't know, maybe I'm... Yeah, it, it feels like it's going to be both in in equal measures. Well, if, it's um, equal, if, it, if, they, if they dole it out equally, I, I'm good with it. But if they start, you know, lumping carnivores in, because I mean... Lugosi is about the most calm carnivore that I have seen out of this group. Yeah. Well, that and his Labrador friend, uh, uh, Jack. Yeah. Just a very good boy. Well, and I mean, you know, if you get down to real animals in the wild and domestic, you have those that are ones that you can get along with and ones that you can't. So, I mean, I can see that point coming across too, but um, some of the, I don't know what they want, some of the social things that they're barriers that they're throwing in here, I'm not sure about yet. So have we, I guess, yeah, I guess B stars. I'm, I'm mixed on it, but I've, well, I'm still cautiously optimistic. <laughs> well, the only thing I'm is after that stage play, you know, where uh, where the uh, tiger opened up the wolf's back. It's like, eh, okay, yeah, that would happen, but uh, why? I'm still invested in this story. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll four. I'll give episodes four and five both fours. I'll give episode. Six of three. I'm going to give them fours because there's some things that I liked, and there was uh, the the amount of brave that Haru had to have lunch with Lagosi, even though she wanted to hit the panic button and split. Oh, four and five. I would give uh, four and five. I would give fives, and episode six, I would give a four. Well. You know, I'm glad we're not all thinking alike because this would be a very <laughs> dull and boring podcast. Uh, speaking of people who don't all think alike, uh, it's time to go to high school prodigies have it easy even in another world. What about Babylonia? Six... Uh, we're, we decided we're not... Well, we decided last episode we recorded that has since been lost to the sands of time uh, that we're not really going to re 
talk about Babylonia, fake grand order Babylonia on a uh, weekly okay, basis I'll, just I'll because take like off, I'll take it off the list. Thank to you. summarize, because uh, that episode was lost, Fake Grand Order, Absolute Demotic Front, Babylonia, is a fun show that is very pretty, has some neat fight scenes, but also is quite dumb. Uh, it's it's fairly shallow. There's not much to really <clears throat> discuss, honestly. So we're watching it, but we're not really going to talk about it because just be us talking about like that fight scene it sure was cool for like 10 minutes okay i i it's officially will be off the list so and, yeah let's go to and uh, those girls sure are cute that's yeah lots of lots of asses in babylonia <laughs> that's that's for, and, that's for sure and the, the, okay the the like my strongest reaction to fake grand order babylonia is Man, Mash fills out that bodysuit nicely. <laughs> yeah, the, the the anime definitely wants you to think that. Um, okay. Anyway, high school prodigies. So, okay. Moving along, and music and song. Uh, let's see, we left them... Uh, I don't remember where we left them last. Well, they st- they're starting to... Well... Okay, they've taken over the city. They're building, actually, they're building a new religion around Akatsuki and his uh, magic tricks. Setting up, uh, setting up Akatsuki life, as yeah, a yeah. divine being. Sure, why not? Which, okay, which is actually kind of cool. And, <laughs> but, but what's what's also going on is that uh, the. Uh, that let's see, Tsukasa, uh, the politician guy, is is basically uh, okay. Getting the uh, you know getting the nobles of the city, getting the getting the old nobles of the city, you know even though they don't have even though they don't have like political power, he is uh, you know protecting them against any reprisals and basically giving them new jobs. Uh, in managing in managing the city, integrating them into the new society, right? Because right? yeah, right. like because what he's trying to do is he's he's basically trying to build a uh, you know a more egalitarian society with kind of you know you know modern with modern norms and laws and systems. And he's moving them forward about uh, 400 years. Well, basically bringing the enlightenment, being bringing the enlightenment to a medievaloid uh, to a medievaloid world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and and so yeah, okay. So they're building up, their, and they have, uh, uh, and but, but now they've uh, they've attracted the attention of uh, this guy. Uh, Oslo Gustav or whatever, who's like, yeah, the guy that's got a name that's way to hell too long to pronounce. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, so he's like this really obnoxious, like really obnoxious noble, uh, who is uh, who uh, let's see, at the end of who uh, at the end of episode seven, uh, he basically uh, 
he basically launches a magic he launches a magic WMD at the city. Yep. Uh, which which they yeah. So they spend most of episode eight. They spend so he launches it at the end of episode seven, and they spend most of episode eight dealing with uh, dealing with the dealing with this magic WMD, uh, which ends up. Even though they saved most of the they saved most of the citizens, but a large chunk of the city got set on fire. Yeah, a third. So, yeah, and then um, I want to go back to uh, the the elf who uh, looks like she's hooked up to the deity that brought him to the planet yeah. in the first place. Yeah. That and was interesting. She has and that and uh, there was flashes of that in episode 4. Coming in at and uh, coming in uh, finding uh, the the genius uh, inventor coming in and finding uh, Sukasa's head resting firmly on her lap. Uh, I, I detected a air of jealousy there, but uh, he's building a, uh, well, a after the town is burned and everything else and they start the reconstruction, uh, the genius has uh, armed a gathering of, what was it, 50, with uh, basically uh, modern weaponry, and uh, they're gonna go pay the duke. Of <laughs> yeah. <visit. laughs> yep. They got guns now. That's gonna be fun to watch. But there was one thing that bugged me about this run of episodes, and that that is okay. They they are going to absurd lengths to make uh to make that duke be like as evil as possible in a way which like strains strains my suspension of disbelief because okay. Yeah, he, he he was evil, a carnate evil, a carnate. Uh, I mean, since yeah, he was him being evil is one thing. Him being stupid is another thing. Because because the, the like the way they have the the way they have things set up. Because like they they have uh the let's see the uh, Shinobu and uh, Shinobu and uh, the the ninja the ninja journalist uh, and uh, yeah. and. Uh, the, uh, and that like uh, Beast Boy, they go, uh, they go, yeah. you know, you know, they go to, uh, they go to do some recon in the uh, in the Duke's uh, city, and they find like yeah. that. Everybody's happy and proper and everything else, but they're yeah. But the thing is, is that like the Duke won't let them farm because it's supposedly dirty, and you know, and. You know, and, to and on top of that, of course, they're imposing, like, these ruinous taxes uh, for building these beautiful public works. Okay, and that's where the stupid comes in. And the only way the populace... Yeah, the only way the populace can survive is by eating... Yeah. Burgers. Yes. What? Yes. Yeah, that's where that's the stupid comes in. Okay. Yeah, I get that. I get that a noble, you know, doesn't, uh, you know... You know that a noble, you know, you know, like well, a noble's like to lord it over the people. But the problem is, is that like even the most like 
even the most awful noble is not going to want to actually, like, is actually, is not going to actually want to destroy the production base of his whole, of his whole society, which is what they would do if they, if, like, if they banned them from farming. Yeah, that'd be real dumb. Like, the the whole point of, like, monarchies is that the king ruled over, like, dukes and dutch and rule over like uh, uh dukes who own duchies who then own serfs who actually worked the land like it was still an agricultural society it's just that the king like basically earned the profits from it and distributed it to the people under him. Yeah, but remember what he said, <laughs> what he said to the, uh, when they were standing in front of the big old statue and he was talking to the older minister and he's like, well, I don't care. They can all die because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to die, you know, and if they all die, okay, fine. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This, this is getting a little far-fetched and running that is that is so dumb yeah so that was that was one aspect of these episodes i had a hard time with i mean Uh yeah i mean okay if you're gonna have an evil noble who okay you know have him like impose like ruinous taxes on the people but you know still let them farm (laughs) come on well 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 okay he wasn't all that bad. He could be like another noble we knew that uh, the only thing he was interested in was getting on his horse, riding through the countryside, and picking up every uh, good-looking maiden he could find. So this guy, yeah, he's bad, uh, no. but he's seen worse. No, because, you know, at least the guy who you know, goes and, you know, picks up the girls, you know, he's not actually mass-murdering his own citizens. There's a... <laughs> this is true. Okay, I'll give you that. This is true. That I'm with Ben. I'm waiting for the next couple episodes to come out and go, okay, let's see how, how they... Because we still haven't made it to... I mean, we've seen Statue of the King and all the rest of this, but we still have no idea what the King thinks of everything that's going on yet. And I'm sure that when these things get back to his royal ears that uh, they're probably going to perk up in a direction nobody will, will be thinking oh, they, about. Yeah, they, they, yeah. Yeah. King ain't gonna King, uh-huh. King ain't gonna care. That sounds very yeah. dumb. <laughs> well, no, not until he ends up with a submachine gun yeah, pointed yeah. in his brain. <laughs> that is, there care. is that. Um, anyway, so... Like, yeah, this, I mean, the thing is, is that, like, the seven, the seven, like, you know, the seven prodigies, I actually like them, and I think what they're doing is, is, like, actually really clever, and so I like that aspect of it, but the characterization of the, the characterization of of the villain here is just too shallow and too dumb. And I'm so these these episodes yeah. are kind of a mixed bag for me. I'm going to give them threes. Uh, yeah, well, 
That sounds like a good idea. I, I, I liked a few things, but yeah, on, on the essence, it was like when I got done with it, I looked at it and I said, so I just wasted an hour and a half. But I didn't waste an hour and a half because they got submachine guns. So, yeah. If they hadn't got submachine guns, I'd have given them twos. (laughs) What'd you think of that, boss? Okay, yeah, so let's move on to Kimono Michi, uh, which I did catch up on. Um, Though I did not watch episode eight, uh, because again, like, I, I pretty much watched... I watched episode, I skipped episode one, and I watched episodes two through seven all in one day, which may have been a mistake. That sounds like it was um, a mistake. Yeah, because I, I init- it's, it, cause like initially went from thinking like, oh yeah, I really like the main character, to the main character is kind of an asshole to people, and, Sugi- and Sugire is actually the the most relatable character on this show. (laughs) Shigure is great. I love her. Shigure, yeah. Shigure rules. Um, To the point where, like, I legit felt really bad for her during the episode when she's trying to get people to work. And, like, they they do not give a shit. Um, And he keeps bringing in new monsters. I'm like, dude, just... You're an awful person. Um, it's a weird show in that a lot of times it's funny, but then sometimes it's just upsetting. <laughs> um, and other times, other times it's just. And I'm not sure. I'm still not entirely sure uh, how I feel about it. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this show. Like, like sometimes Genzo can be fun to watch. Other times he's just obnoxious, and I hate him. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's because he's one of those, like... He's basically a, a joke character given main character status. So, like, he literally just has the one gimmick, and that's all he is. Whereas, like, even, even Hanako, who is initially introduced as primarily a joke character... Like is given a little <laughs> bit of depth by later episodes. Yeah, in like uh, episode six, actually, episode episode six was actually interesting. Well, it didn't have any Genzo in it because <laughs> it, it, it was all about the relationship between Hanako and uh, and this other yeah, and this other uh, like, I guess dragon chick. Yeah, yeah, no, another dragon who wants to like replace Carmilla with a, a different vampire who's objectively better uh, objectively better well, at her job than Carmilla is but Hanako likes Carmilla more cuz ha- Carmilla actually cares about her yeah even though well, <laughs> well even though Carmilla is kind of a perv Yes, that is true. Yeah. But also, Carmilla does care. <laughs> Even though she's incompetent. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the... Uh, yeah, actually, the back and forth between uh, Genzo and Carmilla is pretty funny. Uh, <clears throat> uh, there's... 
Yeah, I I do like how they interact. With yeah, each other. there's a lot of that in episode eight. Ugh. Yeah, I I did not watch episode eight just because like I was like I think I'm I think I'm done with Kimono Michi for now. <laughs> I think I take a break. <laughs> yeah, although you'd also think that like people would have learned, you know, not to not to call Genzo the Demon Beast Killer. <laughs> yeah, at some point, like. Take a hint. <laughs> but yeah, this, this show, it's a very, it's a very messy comedy. Like, sometimes very funny. Sometimes just kind of okay. Sometimes really grating. And it can switch between all those things in a single episode, occasionally. Um... And it's tough to know what you're gonna get, so I can't, I can't really give this show anything higher than a three at this uh, point. Yeah, I think some episodes I would give as high as a four, because some episodes the jokes hit more often than not. Yeah. On the other hand, yeah, uh, the only reason I'm not, I'm not giving individual ratings is because. Just because of the way I watch this thing, uh, all the episodes have blurred together in my mind, and I cannot distinguish between individual ones. <laughs> so I was giving it an like overall rating of three for now. I was going to say that almost sounds like a blessing. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting show. That's that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's it's by the uh, it's written by the same author as the as uh, as. As Konosuba, Konosuba, right? And I think, I think Konosuba is overall better because the the characters have a bit more dimension to them. In in, I have in heard that. Yeah. Uh, we could call that a glowing. <clears throat> Never mind. Uh, anyway, let's move on to My Hero Academy Season 4, Episodes 4 through 6. Uh, I actually forgot to watch these episodes. Uh, it's uh, 4 and 5. Oh, just, just 4 and 5? Yeah. I thought it was... No, because the soccer, oh, okay. game, the soccer game took out Episode 5, so it's just 4 and 5. Oh, you they, are correct. Um, they, yeah, they they missed a week at one point. Yeah, well, because yeah, me, but I still forgot to watch. I still forgot to watch these episodes. Let me try to remember here. Uh, let's see, episode four. That's when. But I have read the manga. I have read the, I have read the manga up to this point, so I won't. I won't be missing any of the story. Let's see, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't remember the order in which these things occur. I think uh, episode four is when uh, they first encounter um, the guy with the hawk nose. Yeah, where they uh, overhaul. Overhaul. Yes. Yeah, um, because it's... the second episode is where where we get to see what everybody else is up to, and they're forming the meeting to go after the. Uh... Uh, Villains, Asso- Villains League Association, whatever they're calling it this week. Yeah, and that was like kind of an interesting confrontation because it sort of showed the difference between um, Deku's style and um, oh gosh, what's his name? Oh, uh, yeah, Mr. Bright, Sunshiny, Blonde, Blue Eyes should be 
all up for one, but not. Uh, oh, the blonde-haired kid who yeah. is uh, ba- Bakugo. No, no, not Bakugo. His partner uh, that uh, not Night Eyes. Uh, Night Eyes chosen one. Um, oh, a uh, Mirio. Mirio, yeah. Um, yeah, and then they meet. They basically meet Overload. Uh, Mirio and Deku immediately know who they're dealing with and mirio tries to play it cool and just be like hey how's it going cool let's get out of here as soon as possible and not let him know we're on to him whereas deku sees eri like this little girl with like a horn on the right side of her head Mm -hmm. and sees that she's terrified and decides like what good am i as a hero if i don't try to help this child uh and just like you know, let her go back with no resistance. Uh, and, and he pushes. Um, but Eri like sees that like, uh, overload basically, uh, subtly shows, subtly threatens Eri with, uh, killing Deku and Mirio. And so Eri's like, all right, never mind. Time to go back. So these kids don't die. You mean overhaul? Overhaul, yes. Not overload. Yeah, overhaul. Uh, you know what? Overhauled, overload. It, you know, one's a TV show about cars; the other's a character in a anime. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. So so they get away because Eri doesn't want uh, Deku and Mirio to get killed. Zapped. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Zapped would be the optimum word there too, because right? he was ready to uh, ready to barbecue him. And then, of course, Deku, we spend part of that episode with Deku having remorse about not saving her when he figures out what her situation really is. But then he, for some reason, the night-eye thing really bothers him, so he's going to go find All Might and figure out why everybody's walking around like they're on broken glass when it comes to this relationship. And he finds out. In fact, he finds out more than he wants to find out. Yeah, basically, he finds out that, like, Night Eye viewed uh, All Might's future with his quirk. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, All Might is going to die either that same year or the next year. Um, And Deku's like, ah, but I will fight against this fate, Uh, which I'm sure will end perfectly fine. Well, we'll go back to teaming up uh, Miss Gravity and Miss Frog uh, with the, uh, I can't think of the uh, hero they got teamed up with. but uh, Yeah, ep- episode, uh, the next episode, I really, really like this one because we, uh, we get to see some more of the uh, characters who have been underused lately. So we start out with uh, Froppy and Gravity. uh uh, fighting alongside, um, uh, what's her Neji, name? Nejire. Yeah. Nejire. Yeah. That yeah. Who had whose quirk is something weird? Yeah, she's uh, an electric shock or something like that. No. Um, yeah, uh, it was. Uh, see, this is what happens when Ben doesn't watch the episodes. The walking, talking encyclopedia leaves us flat. 
Yeah, I know. I uh, yeah, I can't I'm remember sorry. what her quirk was. Hey, it was something you like look, abstract. I'm looking, you, I'm looking it up. You you just keep going. Uh, but yeah, I I love who they're um. And there's like another hero there who's like a dragon girl, basically. And yeah, her that's, character that's design. Ruko. Yeah, her character design rules. I love, I love her design. Yeah, it's so I'm, good. I'm getting there. I'm looking for the other one in a hurry. Um, and so they they team up, do a like real cool uh super team attack to take down the villain, uh, and then they find out that uh they're gonna team up with night eyes team um due to the whole overhaul situation um and then we sort of like uh a transition into um uh let's see here uh we transition to uh edgy edgy rose um section and see his uh, well, actually, I apologize. We uh, we actually cut to the League of Villains with um, uh, Tomura basically walking in and uh, kind of demanding to, like, speak with Overhaul about what Overhaul is going to do. Uh, information uh, Because in Tomura is still pissed about Overhaul killing um, a what's-her-name. Uh, uh, he, he the the one overhaul kill was Magna. Magna, yeah, yeah, because Tomura is still pissed about uh, him killing her, which that's kind of you know fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably the well, one of the Mag- first times Tomura's uh, like uh, uh, displayed much empathy at all. Well, Magna's a dude. It's just that uh, uh, they refer to Magna with female pronouns. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I put the uh, quirk and everything else in the chat for you, sir. Okay. Oh, uh, cool. Thank you. You're um. Oh yeah, quirk wave motion. Yeah. Okay. Ability to convert body's vitality to energy that can discharge as blast waves. That's why I couldn't remember it. It was like a weird abstract power. Yeah, she um, was like a she was like a flying tsunami. Well, and that's the well, that's the thing is that that name Hado is actually uh, <clears throat> Hado actually means like you know it means it it means wave motion. Yeah, they 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 always do that. They always make the uh, the names of the characters uh, actually reflect actually reflect either their quirk or like an aspect of their uh, an aspect of their character. Okay. So. Um. But yeah, uh, so that was actually kind of interesting and like the first time I've been actually interested in Tomura in a while, actually, is, is when he confronts uh, Overhaul. Um, and then let's see here. Okay, man, it's I, I've watched so much stuff that I'm desperately trying to remember what went on other than like the section I thought was really dope, which is when uh, A.G. Rowe um, fights against uh the one uh, the one dude with uh that can like sprout blades from his yeah. body uh and he uses a 
and the villain uses performance enhancing drugs basically yep <laughs> uses quirk steroids to suddenly get super powerful and Ajiro has to like break out like this really cool like hardening look that almost makes him look, look like, like a Hulk. like yeah like a like the hulk uh that's also a golem yeah uh it's really Wait. cool I, I love how he looks in that scene um, and he just gets like a, cause he talks about how, and I love when they sort of do this, they talk about like almost the metatextual aspects of, you know, superhero powers. Like AJ, we see the scene in, with AJ Rowe where he's in the dorm with, uh, his buddies and he talks, uh, he talks oh, about how like, you know, his power is neat and all, but doesn't have a whole lot of, um, versatility. Uh, he doesn't really have any medium or long-range things he can do with his power. It's entirely like a defensive and short-range attack option. And how he feels like, even even though he's done all this training, that due to what his quirk is, he feels like he's never going to reach the heights that, say, Bakugo will, just because pa- Bakugo's power has far more versatility to it. Um... Okay, you keep calling him Ajiro. I keep thinking of him as Kirishima. Yeah, Kirishima. The the wiki calls him Ajiro, and I'm using that to help remind me of, of like the plot structure of this episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Kirishima, Kirishima as well. Um, the Red Rock Devil. But yeah, I. Uh, so I, I like the idea that like he's a lot more thoughtful about things than like you'd initially imagine he is and he's actually put a lot into thought of like you know what his what his power actually means and how he's going to be able to actually uh still keep up and be a useful hero when he starts to you know have to deal with people who are of a higher power level than just high school students um Yeah, he he's becoming like a much more well-rounded character, and like the fight scene he gets is legitimately like pretty rad. Uh, so yeah, I I really liked this episode. I really liked this episode a whole lot, just for how much time it gave to like some of the side characters. I well, what it was I like really is, good is when they would pan back and everybody would walk in and say how well they were doing and Bakugo was sitting there trying to explode no explode yes explode oh I explode don't tell me these things I'm not out in the field I'm not it's like yeah well this is what you get for being who you are (laughs) the people at Bones always the people at Bones always have time for Froppy because evidently I'm so glad (laughs) to because Froppy is so good (laughs) yeah they love her so they actually come up with they actually come up with like original content they they actually come up with like original content for froppy that makes me so happy to hear <laughs> yep yeah there there was like a whole episode <clears throat> there was a whole episode uh in the uh in the second season i think when they were doing their internship yeah it's where she took on pirates right <laughs> yeah yeah that was an anime original episode <laughs> that's amazing that was a really good one too <laughs> <laughs> So, so I guess the lesson is like filler episodes are good when it's about Froppy. 
Okay, so we could go on for an hour about this, but I'm just going to say five and carry on. Yeah, because I do have half an hour until I have to start my Death Stranding podcast, so I am out of time limit here. Um, let's uh, move on to uh, No Guns Life, episodes five through seven. Um, a show I'm still enjoying, but consistently find it hard to, like, say much about really i don't know like i like the characters I, I like the adventures but whenever it comes to like go on the podcast and actually think critically about it my brain shuts down i'm like gunhead man fun and charming good dad <laughs> yeah uh yeah, actually, uh, Mother's Basement had a really good video about uh, about No Gun's Life. I recommend it. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Um, episodes 5 through 7, um, God. I can't even remember what happened with the plot. This is going to be end up being, like, another scenario where it's a show I like but cannot describe the plot to save my life. Well, at, at least because oh, it just immediately leaves my head as soon as I watch it. Now, now, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to say it. I'll say it after we're done recording. Okay. Uh, well, I think. Well, okay. The basics of like this arc, you know, uh, deals with a uh, basically a rogue extended who's uh, basically going around uh, going around murdering. Uh, other extended who uh, turned out were from his unit, and and so they, you know, it's they figure out. So uh, you know, Juzo figures out uh, that's Gunhead uh, figures out uh, you know who the next victim is going to be, and so they set up you know, and so they they train they set up to guard him, and. The, and they finally confront, you know, they finally confront the guy, and uh, eventually in episode seven, after a bit of back and forth, uh, they beat him. But then, the uh, the guy they were supposed to protect, uh, let's see, uh, armed, uh, who's like, uh, who's actually like, uh, you know, who's actually like uh, sort of a you know, a hero to society and like really high status. Oh, I remember him. And He's the one with the gold face. Yes, that gold face guy. He sort of sort of looks uh, like a sort of looks like a robot as imagined by like those um, old movies. Got a got a head that looks like a big O. <laughs> or um, that's or, or like uh, or like this or like the same style as a uh, machine head uh, in Redline. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Yeah, anyway, so uh, anyway, so armed uh, actually turns on, actually turns on uh, a Juzo at the end at the end of at the end of episode seven because it turns out that you know <clears throat> that that Juzo that like because the like. Uh, you know the the rogue extended that they were dealing actually has 
actually has information that would make uh, that would make armed, you know, that would harm armed uh, interests. And so, and so they, uh, so episode seven ends with, uh, well, with uh, Juzo and uh, this other guy, uh, Cronin, who's a, uh, who's actually a, uh, a government agent who, uh, who is very distrustful of Juzo. You know, Cronin having to fight this, uh, Juzo and Cronin having to fight this guy. Yeah. And, uh. And Ju- and 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 this is at a point when uh, Juzo is uh, out of cigarettes now, which and and so uh, the other the other aspect of the uh, the plot line is like uh, let's see at one point a Tetsuro uh, takes over takes over uh, this uh, like one of the uh, one of the guards uh, who was uh, who was an extended. Uh, takes over one of the guards and uh, you know uses that guy to uh, try and bring the cigarettes, but he hasn't he hasn't gotten to Juzo yet. Okay. Anyway, thank you for that summary because my mind was totally failing me. I I almost think like this is this would be a good one to almost review just like as a series as a whole. Uh, just yeah, probably. Probably. Just because of the way I'm experiencing it, like, I can say what I like about it as a show, but if you try to ask me, like, okay, what did you like about this plot in detail, I, I just I just stare at you blankly, uh, and my brain shuts down. Ooh, well, <laughs> so, we can tell it's Friday. <laughs> so I'll... We'll we'll talk about it, but we may just uh, end up doing this as like a uh, Ben and I keep watching it and then talk about uh, talk about it uh, at the end of the season and uh, what we liked about it. You mean in um, another three weeks? Yeah, uh. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Look, hey, uh, life has its ups and downs. Fin- yeah, uh, I still like the show a lot, though. Um, I'll I'll give these episodes fives. I I enjoyed them. Fives. Um, I'm uh, I'm really digging this show. Chihayafuru three, ep- season three, episodes four through seven. Oh damn! Really that many? Yeah. Wow. Well, they double broadcast cool. to catch up. It, it turns true. out it's a it's a giant tournament arc, and it is great. Oh, it's so good. Uh, there there are so many really good moments in this show that it's hard to like really break it down individually. Uh, Chihaya's fight with um, the mom who used to be the queen a while ago. Uh, her name is Haruka. Haruka. And she is, and she is amazing. She is love. She is fantastic. Um, I, I like how uh, Chihaya has developed to be both fast and precise, uh, much like uh, Star <laughs> Platinum. <laughs> well, and also she's developed her hearing. Uh, because a big, a big, a big, uh, like one of the uh, crucial aspects of the game is basically being able to distinguish, being able to distinguish, like, like from the first syllable that gets pronounced, which poem they're actually referring to. Yeah, that is a really cool aspect that I haven't considered before. But yeah, Chihaya has started to learn how to, uh, just based on the intonation of the first syllable, 
into it what the next syllable is going to be just based on that and make the decision that way, which is super cool and makes a lot of sense. And also I never would have thought of it. Uh, um, I also really, really enjoyed Shihaya's fight with Tai Chi as well uh, in episode six. Um, it was yes. super good. You know, they left us with the cliffhanger, and at least we got to see the next episode, because if we had stopped there, I would have been, huh. But anyway, yeah. Um, poof. Done. She wins. But Tai, yeah, Chi, uh, tai Chi put up a good fight. That's, you know. Yeah. And Tai Chi is feeling bitter about it. Um, and... Come episode seven, Chihaya does decide to go on the school on the class trip because she like when she when she grows up and gets a job, she wants to be a teacher. Uh, and as she like you know, I think fa fairly points out like what kind of teacher could she be if she's never gone on a class trip? Um, well, there's the conversation that Atra and Tai Chi have. Where Atra looks, you know, he's he's been throughout most of this going, you know, why am I not the one sitting there playing Chiha? Why? But he finally looks at Tai Chi and says, well, I'm going to tell you something. He says, well, you know, we, she, she's nobody's person. She, she's her own self. And, and it's like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way, but it is true. Yeah, and yeah, and he, and he basically says, like, all, all this time I figured, like, Chihaya belonged to you, referring to Tai Chi. And, and then he says, like, well, she doesn't belong to anyone, does she? No. And so now we've left uh, her with her friends in Kyoto, and Tai Chi is getting ready to do the Masters. Yeah, and uh, Tai Chi, the asshole. Well, no, uh, I, I, you know, we talked about this earlier, and I, I want to say what was said in the thing. This may be his last time. Yeah, he woke up sick. He's going to go there sick. Uh, who knows what's going to happen, but this might now be... No, he, he was lying about his sickness is the thing. I don't think so. Because he still didn't look... Re I mean, he wasn't drawn really well <laughs> when he was leaving his mom. So, you know, we'll find out. You know? Because he's going to play Dr. Harada, and if, you know, Doc whips his tail, then we're going to know, well, maybe Tai Chi's not firing on all six cylinders after all. But, uh, mm. yeah, so Chia's and Koto, and all of a sudden she's going, this isn't fair. And true, it's not fair. Um, but then again, she's got to understand his side of the like I said this could this could prove interesting how this all works out because um, I think she was looking at her phone I think she was planning on since she was in Kyoto stopping in and or watching Shinobu's match so unless she jumps the train and goes back to Tokyo that's a possibility thing too yeah I don't know I I uh, I, I just see Tai Chi doing something that he knew would upset Shihaya a lot uh, and not seem to care about about it at all. Well, um, that, gets, that gets back to the conversation him and Atra and his comment at the end of the stairs. He's like, yeah, you're nuts. You know? 
he he says he doesn't have a a uh, romantic bone when it comes to Chihaya, but I think if push came to shove, it would be a different He's answer. He's totally lying about that. Yeah, so I, that would be a different answer if push came to shove. But yeah, we're, I mean, it's set up for, it's going to get interesting. Um, not quite sure how far this is all going to progress, but um, right now, Kyoto to Tokyo in real distance is, is a trip. I mean, even if she got the high-speed bullet train, I don't know if she could get there in time to... Uh, and since she didn't register, or I don't think she... I, I mean, I think she's going to end up staying in Kyoto. I hope, I hope Shihaya stays strong and stays. like. Yeah, I, I think she's going to wind up in Kyoto, but I would yeah, not... Don't let Taichi manipulate you like that. But I, I do have a feeling that... She, if she gets the chance, she's going to sneak off and watch uh, Shinobu's qualifier. I, I just, I just mm-hmm. kind of have that feeling in the back of my mind that because uh, she was sitting there staring at her phone and and she had Shinobu's uh, information pulled up and it's you know and then we did get the thing where Shinobu came to the door to greet I don't know her coach or whoever that was and her jam well. Her, mo- her mother said it was her jammy. She said it was her street clothes. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, that's, what's, that's what's interesting about that. Is that, like, like, even the rival characters have their own weird, have their own quirks. quirks. Yeah. And, you know, and, yeah, because, like, Shinobu, you know, yeah, she she's, like, this super strong rival, but... She is a deeply strange person. She's still a little kid. Yeah, she's actually Chihaya's age. Yeah, but she's still a little kid. I mean, you know, a, a friend of mine, we were speaking the other day, and talking about being an adult trapped in a child's body. Or a child being trapped in an adult's body, either way. But it's like, yeah. And she happens to be a child trapped in a almost adult body, because the way she's always acted through throughout the it's like, well, okay, fine. As Shinobu, just deal with it. <laughs> Fives. Yeah, absolutely. I Love mean, this show. This was this was. Like I said, I I, I really kind of hope that Shihaya wanders off and watches Shinobu's qualifying and maybe learn something or they get a chance to interact or Shinobu go, well, women, I'm not playing you. How come? Why are you here? Da, da, da. I mean, I could see all <laughs> sorts of interesting things coming out of this. Anyway, uh, yeah, that'll be it for this episode of BakaCast. Um, as always, you can find show notes at www.projectharhi.net. Uh, or audioentropy.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sils the GM. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Deathslinky. And uh, in case, uh, let's see, I hadn't said it already, I'm giving these episodes of Jihai Group 5. Oh, yeah, I couldn't remember. I, I thought you did, but I probably messed up. <laughs> well, I'll you just know, assume that I did something wrong. It's no, usually correct. Let's assume that it's Friday and stuff happens. Uh, yeah, uh, Ben. 
Dustin. Three, two, one. Kiribush. Kiribush. Well, it's been a while since you've heard from us, but now that you've heard from us, we'll see you next time. <laughs> and Vinland Saga is still amazing. <sighs> You're right. I need to catch up on that. <laughs> oh, Ricordo Stapo. <laughs>